Vegas, baby. The Pacers are headed to the in-season tournament semifinals. They take down the Celtics. They get it done late with an awesome last 90 seconds, beating a team that beat them by 50 earlier this season in front of an awesome atmosphere. We have so much to talk about from the semifinal bound Pacers Celtics game on today's Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, Talk about the first ever winners of an NBA in-season tournament quarterfinal game, the Indiana Pacers. As always, my name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today we have a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about. What a night in Gamebridge Fieldhouse it was Monday night. The Celtics in town, the same Boston Celtics that entered the night with the best record in the NBA, the same Boston Celtics that entered the night with the best net rating in the NBA, the same Boston Celtics that beat the Pacers by 51 in early November, and the Pacers said, screw that. We are going to get this done on national TV in front of a big audience and show just how potent we can be at our best. What a win for the Pacers, 122-112. to Buddy Heald making it a 10-point difference with a meaningless buzzer beating three with the crowd egging him on. What a win for the Pacers. I mean, it's just from a zoomed-out perspective before talking about anything specific that happened in the game. For a team like this, a young team with one scheduled national TV game all season, which is in Boston on January 30th, they earned this game to be on TNT. And it was. And they're playing the Celtics. And they have wanted this sort of spotlight. Tyrese Halburn's talked a lot about knowing when his national TV games are. He wants to prove it on this level of stage. They're the only team playing at seven. They're only NBA games tonight or quarterfinal games. So the whole world's watching the Pacers. They've got one of the, if not the, finals favorites in their house for a big game with all the lights on them. And they were up for it, man. They did absolutely everything that could have been asked of them. A slowed down pace. That's not been their style. No problem. They needed to defend at times this game. Guess what? No problem. Their stars were out. Hal Burton was amazing. Turner was the tone setter at the start and end of the game. Buddy Heald hit big threes. Bruce Brown made nice defensive plays. You could go down the line of what these guys on the Pacers are asked to do. And they did it. And they did it when it mattered. And for a young ascending team trying to put themselves on the map, if you talk like you want to play on national TV, you better show up when the cameras are there and the announcers are there and the fans are in the arena. And boy, did the Indiana Pacers. They get it done over the Celtics, and they didn't look lucky, right? Sometimes in wins like these, you can run hot from three. Sometimes, and they did shoot pretty well from three, but sometimes in wins like these, there can be some fluky stuff. The Pacers played an awesome composed is the best word I can use for a game against a very good team. And here's the number I will use to describe how composed and how locked in the Pacers were today. They had six turnovers in the whole game. That is unbelievable. I think they had four at halftime, so they had two in the second half. They were absolutely locked in to their game plan, to taking care of the ball, and to playing Pacer basketball. And in that atmosphere, that was hard to do. Like I've already seen Bob Kravitz tweet about this. I've already seen a lot of people who cover the Pacers talk about this. Like that was the loudest Gamebridge has been since a postseason series. To me, 
I think the last time I can remember being that loud was the Bojan Bogdanovic game, game three of the 2018 playoff series against the Cavs. They had that Celtic series the following year, but it was like a really whimpery series. They got swept, and they haven't had a playoff series since. They had the play-in game. There were no fans um, with against the Hornets. They've had some awesome games since. They've had some good crowds since, no doubt, no doubt. That was the loudest it has been, no doubt. The fans were all into it, and the players were locked into it too, right? I think the atmosphere, I'll talk about it at the end to kind of set some more scene here, but just in general to kind of contextualize what just happened, right? The Pacers had the court, the blue court, and they've had that before, but this time it was the quarterfinals. They put these towels on all the seats. They're like yellow in-season tournament towels, and it just looked like a playoff arena. I'm not comparing it to the playoffs. The playoffs is different than this was, but it wasn't that different, right? And the towels, I unbelievably, this sounds dumb, but TJ McConnell said it too. A player on the Pacers said it too, was the thing that kind of made it feel like more, right? And... When the game started, the feeling of it feeling like more in the arena went away, but it looked like more, and that mattered a lot, and that added to the atmosphere. And the other thing that added to the atmosphere was it was close all night, right? It was almost always within eight, like within a two shots, basically. There were two stretches, right? Right before halftime, the Celtics went up nine, and at one point late in the third quarter, the Pacers went up 11, and then immediately they were answered by the Celtics, and immediately Boston's nine-point lead was answered by the Pacers. Outside of those two stretches, it was basically always like a two-possession game. 16 lead changes, like the perfect game for atmosphere to be a factor, and so again, I come back to the Pacers, who are a young team, who've been asking for this environment, who've been asking for this stage, who are young, like so much of their rotation is four or less years of experience in the NBA. Their starting four is in his fourth season. Their starting one is in his fourth season. Their backup three is in his fourth season. Their backup two is in his second season. Their other guard who played, Andrew Nemhard, is in his second season. That is over half of their playing rotation today who has four or less years of service, and they stepped up when it mattered against Boston. What a win by the Pacers. I mean, th- this is what... This is a a stamp of the season kind of moment. And it's wild to think that this is the same team that last month, last week, lost to Portland at home and was so frustrated and lost to the Raptors by one at home and lost to the Hornets by one at home and lost to the Bulls at home. All these frustrating defeats that they described as frustrating. They were one game away from dropping a 500, no Halberton in Miami over the weekend. And now they're 11 and 8. How about that? What a response! to a crummy loss against the Heat. So this was as good as wins get. And I haven't even talked about a single individual moment besides Buddy Heald's buzzer beating three that happened in the game because this deserves a zoomed out perspective kind of win. That's what the in-season tournament does. NBA nailed it, right? I've been beating the drum a long time and I think that everybody's kind of in on it now. It felt awesome in that place. It was loud. People were into it. And the Pacers were clearly into it too. I talked to players before the game who said that, yeah, oh yeah, this feels different, this feels like a different atmosphere, including a player who's played in the finals before, right? So it it was something. Uh, It was really cool, and the Pacers got it done. And they got it done in every way, right? I kind of said this earlier, but the thing that stood out to me about the way the Pacers played, some of this was the Celtics, just they didn't shoot very well, 29.3% from deep. But the Pacers defended well, like legitimately defended well in this game. The the Jays, Jalen... Brown, Jason Tatum, both got to 30 points. Everyone else in the Celtics had a really tough night to do their thing. And both of the Jays struggled from deep. 
and struggled from the foul line and couldn't get to their spots because the Pacers defended very well for good stretches of this game. In limiting those guys, in limiting the Celtics' passing, they only had 27 assists, they had 17 turnovers, they could never really settle in, and the Pacers forcing turnovers is what they need to do to get in transition and do their thing, and that was a big deal for them in this game was to be able to play their style against a Celtics team that does not want you to play our style. That was really important because the Pacers didn't have to get their points in the paint like they usually do. They didn't have to run amazingly hot from three, although they did shoot well. They just locked down on defense for long stretches of a game. They haven't done that all season, and their offense was still good. Derek Kramer kept saying this during the game, right? They actually shot a better percentage from three than two, but that didn't matter as much as it would in other games because, one, the stat I said earlier that mattered a ton, they only had six turnovers. They took. They had a ton of chances in this game. They took 94 shots and had 21 free throws, right? The Celtics took three more shots but had nine fewer free throws, right? They did well in the possession battle because they did so well with those turnovers, even though they lost the offensive rebound fight. And they drilled the threes, five from Halliburton, four from Matherin. Matherin was one for seven on twos and four for seven on threes. Four from Buddy Heald. You expect that from him, right? Two from Toppin. I wrote a story about his shooting. You should read that. Two from Turner, right? They got... Everything to go their way because they played well. Halburn did his thing. We'll talk about him a ton in the second segment. Heald made plays. Toppin made plays. Turner was awesome in many moments. It was totally a team effort by the Pacers. And they get their biggest win of the season over a title contender. Maybe the title favorite right now to move on to Vegas. We'll be there. Locked on Pacers will be in Vegas this week as the Pacers take on either the Bucks or Knicks on Thursday in the T-Mobile Arena. Looking forward to that. You know we'll have coverage here on Locked on Pacers and other places. We got to talk more about this game. We got to talk about the last 90 seconds because this game was tied with like a minute 33 to go before chaos. Chaos in the arena. We got to talk about Tyrese Halliburton's triple-double. Boy, do we. But before we talk about any of that, we're going to talk about the lovely people over at FanDuel. The weather's getting colder. The NFL is not awesome Monday night game between the Bengals and the Jaguars. And the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel even into the season. Right now, new customers over on FanDuel can get $150 in bonus bets. Ooh, that's a lot. With any winning $5 money line bet. That's right. If your team wins, just... A $5 bet, that's $150. That's a lot of smackaroos. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time than right now, right this second, to get in on the action. Their app is really easy to use. They have a wide range of betting options, including your favorites, spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. The NBA is rocking and rolling. Fun games this week. In-season tournaments about to be in the final four stages. The NHL is rolling. The NFL is approaching crunch time, winning time for those playoff pushes. Colts, and think of it. And FanDuel is the place for all of it. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season over on FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Back here on Locked On Pacers. Thanks for making us your first listen today and every single day for your second listen. Check out Locked On Celtics with John Corrales. He was on this show yesterday, and I ended up winning a prediction battle with him there because I thought the bench would be important, and it was. He crushes it. Soloing locked on Celtics. He can break down the loser's perspective of this game. What went wrong for Boston on what he tweeted? I believe this is what John tweeted after the game. The second loss ever for the Celtics when both Brown and Tatum hit 30 points. Usually they're pretty good. When that happens, awesome performance by the Pacers. Uh, I say we start at the end because this was to me 
People talk, people use this phrase a lot, basketball poetry, on like one really cool possession with lots of passes or a really cool game. For me, especially at a live event, basketball poetry was the last 90 seconds or so of this game. Let me chronicle it for you for those who didn't see it. For those who did see it, just relive it because this was awesome, awesome. This is as cool as basketball gets, right? So fourth quarter, there's a minute and 57 seconds to go. And Jason Tatum hits a long two. And it ties the game at 105. And Jason Tatum's been to the NBA Finals, and he's been in the MVP conversations, and he's a very good player. And him and Jalen Brown both had 30 points at the time. And when it was tied at 105, I thought, man, we'll see if the Pacers will have what it takes to do this. And this is one of those epic moments of a game. And like I said, the atmosphere was unbelievable. The towels were being waved. Fans were cheering all night. We'll talk more about the atmosphere later. But it was awesome. And so the Pacers have a chance to take the lead with about a minute and a half to go. And boy, did they. None other than superstar man himself, Tyrese Halliburton, pulls up from about 27, 28 feet, just to the right of the top of the key, and drills a three. And Derek White fouls him. He only had a sliver of space to get this three off for a second Derek White backed up foul. And by Derek White, I mean Jalen Brown, because I'm a big dummy and my memory is completely failing me. Either way, (laughs) an incredible shot. And the Pacers get the lead. And this is where the poetry starts. Because in these close games like this, and in important games, the crowd gets a little louder after every big play of a momentum run. The the determined music is crescendo. And some crescendos can be really quick. And there was a quick crescendo that we'll talk about in a second. But this one was really long, right? So there was some chatter because Tatum just tied the game, right? So everybody's standing. And everybody's kind of ooing at every moment. And the foul call, the whistle, there's that moment of suspense where everybody's saying ooh at the same time. And then boom, an explosion of fandom. Halliburton drills the three. And then he hits the free throw. And then they get a stop. Jason Tatum misses a three. And Bruce Brown gets a rebound. And the Pacers come down the floor. And Halliburton throws it. And it gets tipped out of bounds. The ball gets tipped out of bounds. So they have to throw it in from the baseline. And Halliburton takes a couple seconds to throw it in. And he flings it up to Buddy Heel to the top of the key. And just like Halliburton's three, Buddy Heald barely wiggled free. Barely wiggled free from his defender. And that was just enough space for him to launch a three himself. Boom, he drills it. All of a sudden, one Tatum miss and two Pacers makes. And in 40 seconds, they go from tied to up seven, thanks to the four-point play. Heald's three obviously gets the crowd louder. They're now like, oh, wow, this could be a win. Heald just... Said he loved that moment, right? That's one of the shots you dream about with a crowd like that and a game like that with the importance like that. He drilled it. It was an awesome shot. And the Pacers are now up seven. Not, not done yet. Still still some games he played. But that was huge. And the crowd is now so loud. But it got better for the fans and for the Pacers because Derek White would come down the floor and try to drive and then throw a pass across the court. And Miles Turner tipped it and it got stolen. And Halliburton ended up with it, and Aaron Neesmith just kind of snuck behind the defense, although it wasn't really sneaky. He just ran really hard, and Talish Halliburton threw him the ball, and he caught it, and he jumped up, and he dunked it, and man, did that place go nuts. So from a minute and 33 seconds to 44 seconds, less than a minute, 49 seconds to be exact, the Pacers just, the be- that was basketball poetry to me. The perfect crescendo of constantly the fans getting a little louder and a little louder, and the Pacers responding to it with good defense, with good plays, with good shooting, with a steal, with a dunk. They were excited. The bench was going nuts. The crowd was going nuts. It was awesome. That is what live sports are all about, are those kind of moments, right? 
And they just went absolutely crazy after an Smith dunk, uh, which they should have. It was awesome. And I, I, I'm kind of out of words to describe the moment because it was just stunning. It was the perfect crescendo to me of sports. And what made it awesomer, like I mentioned earlier, is the slowness of it leading up to the healed three followed by the Neesmith dunk. You know, it was like 45 seconds before the healed three dropped. And then the Neesmith dunk happened right after. It felt so fast because the moments kind of are delayed when the reactions are really long. It was stunning. It was fantastic. Jalen Brown missed a three after the Celtics timeout. That basically iced the game. They would actually cut it down to six after a Tatum bucket, but and they got it down to four after a three later, but it was too late. It didn't matter. Bruce Brown hit some free throws. Pacers got some points. And then Buddy Heald hit a three at the buzzer. That didn't matter. I asked him about that. At, it was 119-112, like when the game was over, air quotes. Like they weren't, the Celtics weren't fouling anymore. They had no chance of winning. But Buddy Heald just takes a left-wing three for absolutely no reason to get the Pacers a 10-point. When I asked him why he shot it, he said, the crowd. They were like, shoot it, shoot it. I was like, I have to listen to the crowd. And he drilled it. It was awesome. Very cool moment in that game. I'm glad no one got mad or annoyed by that. So 10-point win is what the scoreboard says. It doesn't matter. So the last 90 seconds, I think, were the perfect encapsulation of why this game was so much fun because the Pacers played unbelievably well, especially for that first 45, 49 seconds of that span. But then again, at the end, to actually close out the Celtics, who did get it back down to four to get it done. The other thing we have to talk about here is Tyrese Halberton. I mean, what what else can you say, right? Caitlin was on, Caitlin Cooper was on the show last week when we did our sixteen and sixteen, and she said that we're at she's out of superlatives, and I agreed. We are out of words to talk about how good he is, right? Uh, unbelievable numbers. I believe I saw this correctly it's one of the first 10 games ever in nba history we've seen uh with the stat line he had which is a triple double 20 his first ever triple double 26 points 10 rebounds first second time in his career he's cracked double digit rebounds 13 assists one steal no turnovers five threes made including the three where he got fouled 10 for 18 from the field plus 15 He's just unbelievable. He's just completely insane. NBA history was the account that tweeted the stat. I can just look it up while I'm talking. But to have to, like, a lot of guys say they want that game, right? They, I want to be on national TV more. I want to prove how good I am and this team is and what they believe in. To actually do it when he's really sick. He woke up in Miami on Saturday. He said he could, could barely move, breathe. He couldn't move very well. He didn't play. He was sick. He, he didn't play. And I said I thought he'd play for sure on Monday. I was right. Um, but I don't know that it was as obvious as I let it on to be like, he is sick. And he said he didn't feel great about his first half in the game. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Um, and he needed to have an inhaler at halftime, right? He was winded. That's the kind of game it was. Um, so the exact stat to be correct is since turnovers were first tracked in 1990, 1978, excuse me, Tyrese Halbert is only the third player to have 25 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists, and zero turnovers in a game at 23 or younger, joining Nikola Jokic and Grand Hill. Yeah, that's some Hall of Famers. That's some good company. It was just ridiculous the way he played and in that situation. So, yes, he needed an inhaler at halftime. He was so winded. He did not feel great about his first half, his aggressiveness level. He had seven points, I believe, at halftime. I'll double-check that while I'm talking. Um and it wasn't like floating, but he did say early in the season, right? He had moments where he felt like he was floating. At halftime, he had seven points, six rebounds, two assists. He was three for eight from the field. And then he had eight points in the first four minutes of the third quarter and just said, nah, you know what? 
I'm Tyrese Halberton. And I sat, turned to the person sitting next to me, and I said, there's there's some games where you need Tyrese Halberton to be kumbaya Tyrese Halberton, where he's getting everybody involved, and he has 16 assists, and he's still scoring a lot, but everybody else getting involved is what makes the Pacers really potent that night. And there's some games you need FU Tyrese Halberton, who's like, I'm just going to dribble around until I see a sliver of space, and then I'm going to shoot. They needed FU Tyrese Halberton in the second half, and they got it. Third quarter tie. 12 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steal, 5 for 7 from the floor, plus 11. Huge, huge in their comeback. Then they put him in in the fourth. He needed an inhaler at halftime, let me remind you that. He played the whole fourth quarter. 2 for 3, 7 points, 6 assists in just the fourth. I mean, what an unbelievable game from a guy who has ascended from really good, one of the back-end all-stars, to, oh man, there are people chanting loudly MVP at you in Gamebridge Fieldhouse. And you deserve the chance because you're playing that well on this stage for this team. Unbelievable game for Halberton and the Pacers in general. A couple other guys I want to talk about the situation for the rest of the week. Uh, I still have to talk about because the Pacers will be playing a semifinal game in Las Vegas for sure against two. When? Well, we'll see. I'll tell you about that all in the final segment today after we talk about the lovely people over at Game Time, my favorite way to buy tickets for sports. And I'm not just saying that because a sheet of paper tells me to say that. I'm saying that because I did it in New York. I wanted to see the New York Liberty play this summer when I was there with my fiance. They were playing the Dallas Wings, and I thought, heck yeah, let's go see them. And I used the Game Time app to buy my tickets. And it was easy, and it was the cheapest way. And I could see where I was going to sit what the view was going to look like. And it was spot on. And it was fast. It was the best. It's everything you want in a ticket buying experience. It's fast and easy. And you know you're getting the best deals because they've got killer last minute deals all in prices and those views from your seats and their best price guarantee. There's no guesswork, right? That is what makes game time so fantastic. I loved seeing the view, but the all-in prices was fantastic too. No hidden fees, no sneaky stuff on the back end. And they have the game time guarantee, which I loved this. You'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. How about that? So download the GameTime app, create an account, use the code LOCKDOWNNBA when you sign up, boom, $20 off your first purchase. How about that? Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off at GameTime. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Back here on Lockdown Pacers, thanks for making us your first listen today and every single day. Check out Lockdown NBA next for the latest from around the association. Or check out Lockdown Sports today, our new 24-7 YouTube streaming channel for all the latest news in sports. Lockdown Network, perfect place for a product like that. 24-7 sports, all the teams, all the leagues. How about that? That is awesome. I absolutely love what they've done with that. Check that out, a YouTube channel after this. Okay, a lot of other guys deserve a ton of praise this game. Halberton had to be first. First ever triple-double is going to lead. Aaron Neesmith deserves to be second to me. I think a couple, you could argue Miles Turner had a better game. It doesn't matter who played better. They both were great. Neesmith was fantastic on offense. Six for 10, 14 points. Every time he gets over 10 and isn't just, and isn't just because he made threes, it's because he was the X factor. He was attacking the rim. He was attacking closeouts. He was putting high pressure on the Celtics defense. He was moving around like crazy. He was fantastic on offense. This is the kind of game that he talked about in the preseason a lot and that we talked about about him is because he worked on his reads all summer with assistant coach Lloyd Pierce. 
He improved his perimeter skills, right? He studied Buddy Heald, ironically, right? So he can be a better three-man when he needed to be. He was playing the four in this game. But still, catch, shot fake, put them on the floor, attack the rim. He's way better at that than he was last year. And he's still just as good at a lot of the other offensive skills. And he was huge for the Pacers offensive in this game. Massive. His dunk was obviously the highlight play. But he was, I mean, he was amped for this game, right? I did talk to him before the game. He was really excited. He's played in the finals before, too. Like, he was psyched to play. It's also his former team, ironically. And he was amazing. He was amazing on offense. And he was just as good on defense. They don't have the matchup data in for this game yet on the NBA.com stuff yet. But they put him on Brown at times. They put him on Tatum at times. They even had him on Drew Holiday at times. And he did very well against whoever he was asked to go against. Like, that's what you. That's what Aaron Neesmith brings to this team. He's probably their best perimeter defender. I think that's fair to say. I think that uh, myself, Bruce Brown, could could sneak into this argument for sure. But to me, it's been Neesmith this season, and he was fantastic on both ends in this game. If he's hitting his shots and defending at that level, he is a lock to play a lot for the Pacers. And guess what? He played 31 minutes in this game. He was awesome. Miles Turner, 7 for 16. If you just looked at that, you'd say, eh, not a great night. 2 for 6 from 3. Wrong. His impact was at huge moments, right? In a game like this where the crowd's really into it and you're playing a good team that kicked your butt early in the season, you need to start good, and he did. He had eight points like right away, like really early in the game. His first quarter was eight points and two rebounds. He led the Pacers in scoring in the first frame and was plus five. And his impact in general all night was huge. He was plus 22 in this game. And so they needed that strong start. And then in the fourth quarter, when they needed him to step up to win, he was also great, especially on the defensive end, deterring shots at the rim, and things of that nature. He was awesome. He got a podium game for his efforts. He's played in playoff games for the Pacers before. He absolutely loved this environment. He loved being on this team. He joked about how much media were there after the win, which he can do because he's been in Indiana for so long. Uh, I, I thought he was awesome. He finished with 17-10, and 10, another double-double for Turner. But he healed at his threes uh, after slumping a bit in Miami. He hit four of them, to be exact, on his way to 21 points. And he was a plus 29. His spacing against such a good defensive team is very important. Uh, and the shots he made at the end were funny. But he was very good as well. And they, they asked him to do some hard stuff on defense this year, which at sometimes has been a detriment to this team. But in this game, he was good. He was good on both ends. Topping it half of his threes. His offense continues to look great. Bruce Brown defended very well and had eight rebounds, four assists, and three steals. Like Bruce, this is a Bruce Brown stat line. He's not, he didn't make his shots. He was three for ten. He he won't even be happy about that. But Bruce Brown had seven free throw attempts, eight rebounds, four assists, and three steals. That's how you bounce back from an off shooting game and defend well and still be a positive impact player. Right? Everybody in the starters who played played well, and they played him a lot. That also added to the atmosphere. We'll get to that in just a second. I really want to talk about that stuff. Matherin hit four of his threes. He had an off night inside the arc, um, but he had 16 points. He did his job. McConnell and Nemhard both played. I was surprised to see McConnell as the backup one over Nemhard. McConnell was one for five, but was still fine. Three assists, pesty on defense. Same with Nemhard uh, on the defensive end. But they just played Tyrese Halliburton 40 minutes in a game where he needed an inhaler at halftime and wasn't feeling his best, but he was amazing. And that is where I pivot to to close today's show. The atmosphere, it, it, I can say it was like a playoff game. You can believe me or not. But if they're playing a guy 40 minutes, it's not a regular season game. Like it is. It, it, it Yes, technically it is. It counts in the regular season record. A guy played 40 minutes on the Pacers today, right? Like that doesn't happen. Drew Holiday played 38 minutes. Jason Tatum played 37 and a half minutes. Derek White played 36 minutes. I'm not going to keep reading you the minutes, but... I just I just wrote down a lot of the vibey stuff 
that I thought added to this, right? Guys were hyped before the game. I already talked about that. The first thing that stood out to me, I've been to every Pacers game this year, obviously, is guys were booing. Crowd was booing during Celtics intros. Like, they hadn't even started the game. That hasn't happened yet this season. That's a very playoffy thing. Defense chance on the first possession, right? And then there was a foul. I don't remember how many possessions in. It couldn't have been more than two or three. Where Jason Tatum went to the line. I'll check. I talk. And it was a late whistle. And everybody hates late whistles, <laughs> even players. And immediately, booze. Crazy booze. Yeah, nine minutes and 38 seconds to go. Buddy Heald is called for a foul. Late whistle. In fact, funnily enough, it's according to NBA.com's play-by-play data. He got a rebound at 938 and wasn't fouled until two seconds later, which is a long time. Um, tons of booze, right? Like immediately, I was like, oh, wow. Like this is going to be... This is going to be a thing. The, the crowd's really into it already. And this is silly, but Tyrese Halburn talked about it in the offseason, right? In the playoffs, games slow down, and he said the Pacers had to be better in the half court. And at, after one quarter, the slowed down game that has killed the Pacers all season, it did not kill them. But it was a very playoff score after one quarter, 24 to 22, right? Usually a game like that is bad for the Pacers, bad news for them. It was not in this one, uh, but normally it is. Like everything kept adding up to being a, that playoff atmosphere, like they all said. Constant defense chance throughout the game, long threes from Halbert and kept getting the crowd into it. The largest lead of the first half was six until the very end when the Celtics got it to nine and then it got back down. Like everything was playoff atmosphere. The halftime acrobats, everybody was psyched about it. It was as cool of an atmosphere as I've seen for a regular season game in December. Jeremiah Johnson tweeted this, and I think this is spot on. Like he said, uh, this is like one of the biggest regular season games for the Pacers in December since the undefeated at the time, Warriors, who started 27-0, were in Indy when they were 22-0, right? Like people were psyched for this game. You could feel it in the arena. You could see it by the way the teams played. You could see it by the adjustments. You could see it in the minutes. It's everything the NBA wanted. And the Pacers on TNT, Got it done. And they are headed to Vegas. What do we know about that? Not very much. Uh, the game will be Thursday for sure. They will play the winner of the Bucks knicks game, which is tonight, if you're listening on Tuesday. If you listen after Tuesday, then you know who they play. Uh, TBD on the time of the game. I think it's actually out, but I don't know it off the top of my head. If they win, they would play in the finals game on Saturday. Thursday's game, the semifinal game on a neutral site court, is a regular season game. It will count for the Pacers' regular season schedule. If they win and they play Saturday, Saturday's game does not count for their regular season schedule. If they lose on Thursday, that's it. They're done. Their tournament runs over. It's been awesome. And then they would not play till Monday when they play the Pistons in Detroit. I'll be there too. So that's all we know about when they're playing and who, but it's in Vegas, and it's later this week, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be maybe the first semifinal game. They keep getting the first game. They got the first group stage game. They got the first quarterfinal game, and they keep winning all of them. And we're going to keep covering them all here on the Locked On Pacers podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Lots of fun stuff to talk about from an awesome night in Gamebridge. Check out some of the videos if you can. Ty's tweeting about it. Miles is tweeting about it. Everybody's excited on the team. And they will try to carry that excitement into more good play on Thursday. Thank you all the time for listening. I am on Twitter or X or whatever, 
at Tony R. East. This show is on there at Lockdown Pages. If you have anything you think I said stupidly or anything you'd like to add, that is the best place to reach out to me. Thank you all a ton for listening. Hope you had a fantastic day. We will see you soon. Bye.